Welcome to AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council, with your hosts, Steve Zylstra and Karen Nowitz. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites leading experts to have real conversations about what is happening in the tech sector across the state of Arizona. From regional news to innovative startups, companies, and emerging technologies, AZ TechCast covers the critical issues and economic trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. From managing budgets to meeting deliverables in a timely manner, project managers play a critical role in helping organizations improve outcomes and maintain successful partnerships. So how can the tech industry better leverage the skill set to scale their growth and success? Welcome to Phoenix Business Radio X. I'm Karen Nowicki, president and owner of Business Radio X, and I'd like to welcome you to AZ TechCast sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites tech and business experts to have real conversations about what's happening across the state of Arizona. AZ TechCast discusses the critical issues, topics, and trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. So please join me in giving a warm welcome to today's featured guests, we have with us outside of the studio today, Mary Kirk, Principal Consultant and Lead DEI. And pronounce that company name for me. It's Aleda. Aleda. I knew as soon as that intro started going that I had failed in asking a couple of clarity questions around <laughs> pronunciation. Welcome, Mary. Happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. And it's a busy time of year, so we're grateful that you all have made time for this conversation today. And also, JT, and I know I should have asked about your last name. <laughs> you knew that it was coming, right? JT, how do I pronounce it? I figured, I figured. Tell me how I say your last name. Muma. Muma. I was going to go for it, and then I was not sure that I should. So welcome, JT. He's the Vice President of Solutions and Delivery at Periscolis. Yes, Periscolis. Yay, I handled that okay. And then Joe Puzz, my good buddy here, President of the PMO Squad. Hello. Hello. Happy to have you here today. Great to be here. And with us as well is Steve Zalstra. He's the president and CEO of the Arizona Technology Council. Welcome, Steve. Thank you. It's great to be here. Excited about our conversation today. We're going to discuss how effective project management can help the tech industry better develop key strategic initiatives. We have a lot of inter interesting ground to cover. We're going to dive in in just a second. We always like to open these shows by giving each of you an opportunity to introduce yourself, the role that you play for the company that you represent, and how that fits into the tech ecosystem, not only here in Arizona, uh, but beyond the Arizona wall. So anybody can jump in there and give us a, a head start. I'll go first, just because I'm sitting here uh, <laughs> next to you, Karen. Uh, Joe Puzz, I'm the president of the PMO Squad. We're a project management uh, consulting firm located in Phoenix. I've been in business now for just about 10 years, um, and we support several tech companies, including members of the AZ Tech Council. The goal for what we do is help them deliver projects better. Right? Every technology firm has projects. Every company has projects. So project management is really critical to their long-term and short-term success. So we're glad to be a support resource for organizations here in Phoenix and around the U.S. Are you a fairly new member of the Tech Council? I can't remember. Was a member pre-COVID, kind of took time off during COVID when we weren't getting together. And then uh, as we got back out there and started mingling again, came back in and 
I guess it's been over a year or so, or around a year since I've been back with them. So good. Yeah. We're, I'm a new member. <laughs> it's, it's taken me a while, but here we are. We're very excited. Yes, very excited about taking advantage of all the benefits. And we'll give Steve an opportunity to tell, tell us a little bit about uh, how the Arizona Tech Council works and why it's so important. And Joe, you've been in Arizona for five years. Correct. Five years here in Arizona, and we had started and did five years in Atlanta before we moved out here. So we have a East Coast, West Coast component to the organization and really serve clients across the U.S. But of course, the ones here at home in Phoenix, we like to help them as much as we can. Well, glad to have you sit right next to me. Who's next? No, I can go next. Um, so first off, thanks for thanks for having me here today, Karen, Steve. It's great to be here with both of you and with Joe and Mary to talk about project management, uh, something that I'm very passionate about and I think is a real force for good in technology and beyond. My name, like I said earlier, is JT Muma, and I am with Perscolis. Uh, Perscolis is a nonprofit organization, and what we're focused on is diversifying the tech workforce. Uh, we have been, as we like to say, in the business of creating opportunity for more than 25 years. We're in 20 cities across the nation, including right there in Phoenix. And what we do is we really focus on advancing economic equity and increasing opportunity through our tuition-free model with rigorous, practical, technical skills training, professional development, and connections to help employers connect with our grads and launch some great high-growth careers in technology. Uh, I personally have the privilege to serve as the Vice President of Solutions Delivery. What my specific work involves is kind of that relationship with our employer partners to develop customized cohorts that can train our learners in the skills that they need to be hired and be really successful in roles at those organizations and the tech field beyond. Mm, great introduction. How long have you been with the organization? Uh, just about six months. Um, I have been in tech for uh, about 18 years, but you know, had a, a desire to, uh, to kind of get, get back, get involved. And so the idea of helping to bridge uh, people who really, really want to be a part of the tech workforce to that opportunity um, to help employers connect with, with graduates that have such great skills and really to help folks get involved in that field. It, it's really some of the most fulfilling work that I could ever possibly do. So definitely that kind of work that feeds your soul, so to speak. And I love how you introduced yourself. And when you started talking, you said, as a force for good, right? That's one of the things that yeah. we really pride ourselves here on, at Phoenix Business Radio X is really around being a servant leader and giving first, giving always. And then providing other opportunities for people to, to run alongside us. It's also part of the Conscious Capitalism motto as well, which is one of our greater uh, studio sponsors. So welcome, JT. Mary, how thank about you. you? Hi, thank you for having me, everyone. Um, I'm Mary Kirk, like Captain Kirk, just in case. Uh, that's my little joke that I, I, I use all the time. I work for a consulting firm out of Dallas, Texas. We're a technology consulting firm. We have about eight practices for all the way from strategy to support services. So I won't go too far deep into there, but I wanted to kind of focus on like what makes us different from other consulting firms, because I know many of you have probably worked with consulting firms. But we own your problems and we help you solve them. And we, we um, provide the proper solution and we're invested in your success. So I just kind of wanted to throw that out there so that we're not your your standard consulting firm. We we really just kind of get in there and we we fold into the the to our clients um, with our clients' employees and and we love our clients. We say client is king is one of our mission statements. 
Very good. Welcome, Mary. And Steve, last time you're on, you and I were on air together, somehow I forgot to give you an opportunity to tell everybody about the Anti Tech Council. That will not happen again. <laughs> you reminded me, thankfully. Please let us know who you are and the great service that the Tech Council offers to the tech ecosystem. Thank you, Karen, and uh, thanks to our guests. I'm really looking forward to an engaging conversation. Uh, the Arizona Tech Council is a statewide organization. Uh, we have offices in both Phoenix and Tucson. We represent about 750 member companies uh, across the state. Uh, we're in lots of uh, areas, Flagstaff, Prescott, Sierra Vista, Yuma, uh, as well as, of course, Tucson and Phoenix. And uh, we do really four basic things. We do public policy advocacy at the state and federal level the technology industry. We're really the, the voice and the face of the tech industry. Uh, we do over 100 events a year. Um, just had our last one for 2022 yesterday uh, down in Tucson. And, uh, you know, they're either educational, uh, informational events, or they are networking events, uh, which we have once a month in both Phoenix and Tucson. Uh, we also have a number of publications. We have a magazine called Tech Connect, a newsletter called Tech Talk. There's two podcasts, this one, TechCast and Tech Focus. Uh, we uh, have lots of other publications. And then uh, finally, we negotiate lower cost products and services for our members. We run an association health plan, provide uh, a whole bundle of uh, medical, dental, vision, life, disability for our members at lower costs. We also run a 401k. You uh, have four employees, or six employees, or 10 employees. You can have a 401k through our multiple employer plan. So full service trade association uh, focusing on the tech industry. And we can see over your shoulder that one of the logos is the uh, SciTech Institute as well. Can you take a moment to share about the foundation? Yes, uh, the foundation of the Arizona Tech Council is called the SciTech Festival. It focuses on uh, STEM and K-12 education. We're getting ready now for the 2023 SciTech Festival, which is, uh, I think this will be our 11th year uh, running the festival, and it occurs all around the state, uh, over 900 partners, and uh, run a program called Chief Science Officers uh, in K-12. Very popular program, uh, started here in Arizona and now in 12 other states and six other countries, so it's really growing. Incredible to watch the growth from both not only the AZ Tech Council, but also SciTech Institute over the five years that we've been equated. So thank you for all the great things that you're doing. Let's jump into our conversation around project management. And Steve and I'll kind of tag team and ask questions as we go back and forth. Let's start by defining project management, right? And each of you can jump in or if somebody, you know, takes care of it all, we can move on to the next question. But how would you define project management? And then again, how does that fit into the tech ecosystem? You know, I, I can take that one uh, to start with. I would first say that project management, uh, the way that I would define it is that it's an incredibly powerful tool and it leads to business success. It's about uh, really creating value with others, right? Project managers don't exist on, a, on an island by themselves. We have to work together with other folks to, to generate value. And so project management is about creating that value, maximizing it, and really about leading folks towards a common goal, being a problem solver, and keeping focus on, on delivery. I also like to say that excellence in project management is really about just mastering the basics, right? Making sure that we're solid 
on communication, planning, and problem solving, if we can do those things right repeatedly over and over again, that's what excellence looks like. I also like to think about the different methodologies within project management because sometimes it's easy to get into the mode of, you know, I'm, I'm an agile PM, you know, I'm a, I'm a you know, waterfall PM, whatever our preference is, um, that we kind of we put ourselves in that little box. And I think project management at its core is kind of different. It's really about using those methodologies as tools. Um, if we were builders and we were building a house, right, uh, then having a hammer shouldn't preclude us from also uh, having a screwdriver because we come across nails and we come across screws. Uh, so being an excellent project manager is also about bringing those tools to the correct situation, identifying what's needed, and having a diverse set of approaches so that we can be more successful at delivering those outcomes. Yeah, I would, I would add to that as well. I agree, JT, I think, hit on a lot of the main components. Speaking to our tech audience, I'd say, listen, we, we all create a widget or a service of some kind, right? That's what your business is in, in place to do. And that's your operations, right? That's how the business operates. Then you do stuff that's one-off or unique, and those become your projects. Whenever we go to tech council events, and I'm listening to the mingling around, people will casually just say, hey, I'm working on a project this year to do X, Y, Z. That doesn't mean that they're utilizing project management, but it means they have a project that they're working on. And what we do at PMO Squad is we try to help those organizations to projects better, right? You're delivering on an initiative, you're delivering on something that's unique outside of your widget that you normally create. And project management gives you that discipline to be able to do that in an organized fashion. So if you have a title of project manager versus somebody who maybe has a title of engineer or QA analyst or, or whatever it may be in the tech field, everybody runs projects. It's just, how do you do that? Do you do that with the discipline and skill of a professional? Or do you do it ad hoc by accident because you've been asked to do that? So for me, project management really is the discipline. Project delivery is the practice of doing the projects and producing the output that the project is supposed to bring to the organization. Anything to add to that, Mary? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think JT actually did a really good job in summarizing. He hit all my points. But the one thing that I would say is like effective communication, right? Project managers have to be able to speak to every level of audience. So whether it's stakeholders, just leaders within the organization or your own project team or your fellow PMs, we have to have like really clear, concise communication. So I just wanted to add that amongst all the other things JT and Joe said. Project management, for when people think about uh, IT or software development, they immediately think about uh, project management. Every new piece of software is project managed. I grew up in the aerospace and defense industry, and uh, whether I was working on a missile system or a space system or whatever, we had uh, a project management regimen associated with developing that, that missile or, or spacecraft. And you think of construction, also uses uh, project management. Can each of you speak to um, how project management works within your organization? What is your focus and um, any unique qualities associated with your type of business? And, um, and then 
Uh, remember, our audience may not know all the details around um, project management. So when you mentioned waterfall and agile, can you explain those things uh, for our audience? And uh, let's start with JT. Sure. Well, I'll start by explaining waterfall and agile since I, I'm remiss I didn't do so to begin with. Waterfall is uh, more uh, straightforward kind of approach. It's more uh, linear, if you will, is, is how I like to define it. A happens, then B, C, D. Think of it like the alphabet. Agile, depending on what form you're using, right? Because that's kind of an umbrella term. Um, it's really more about modular-based work and things that can happen at the same time. Now, of course, they're all always some dependencies that are a part of that, but um, it's a lot more uh, incremental and iterative. So as for how project management works at Berscolis, um, you know, we, we have project managers that's, that are dispersed around a lot of different areas and teams. So we have some PMs whose focus is on uh, putting on great fundraising events, right? We have others who focus on managing a campus expansion. Um, within my specific area of solutions delivery, we run sort of a, an interesting hybrid format, right? Where the first part of what we do when we're designing and kind of getting ready to launch a project it is very waterfall, very linear and uh, process input heavy. Um, once we get to a point where we're, we're in an agreement, we know what we're going to be doing, it really splits out into a, to a loosely agile sort of format where we have things divided by sprints, which is essentially just a time-based uh, time block of work um, for goals that should be done within that time frame. And we really do kind of work a lot more self-managed, I guess, is, is the way to put it amongst our teams. We still, of course, project manage. We come together. We have all the classic cadences, uh, but we really count on uh, our different expertises and our different subject matter experts to be kind of self-managed about how they're going to get that work done within that module. So in reality, it, it's the, the format that works the best for our individual business as we put on uh, workforce development projects and we put together these cohorts. So that's kind of the that's that's sort of the uh, the unique way that we've done it, at least in my little pocket of uh, of Bridgecolas. Mary, you're in consulting, so you might have a whole array of different kinds of opportunities. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure, thanks, Steve. Um, I what I was going to say is our client kind of drives the type of project management or project manager that they would like to have. So whether they want someone that's going to be a business liaison or someone that's going to be a true, what I would call a pure PM, where they're driving the project from start to finish, or you know they want someone that's more of like a business relationship manager or a someone to actually execute on the project in an agile form, which would be in a scrum master. So we kind of play, we could, we can do any of those roles, but I think the one where we, we do best is when we are really helping to influence and drive that strategic initiative. I know we haven't gotten strategic initiatives yet, but as consultants, that's where, where our niche is, where we're able to, again, back to my point earlier, where we're able to effectively communicate and really drive for whatever that end goal is to the project. So really kind of bringing all the tentacles of people together making sure everyone's on the same page. So I think that's how, at least from my perspective at Aleda, how we do things a little differently. And can, uh, for our audience, can you explain Scrum Master? Yeah, so Scrum Master is, um, is the person that, once you have a, like a software project, 
Um, they're the ones who, who champion the development team. They help them with their roadblocks. Let's say a, a developer either A, can't figure out what's going on or needs more information or they're just really blocked. That Scrum Master is going to go find out what's wrong and then they'll go help to to get rid of that roadblock. But they're also like the champions for the dev team. They really work to keep them motivated. They use a lot of different agile tactics. I could name off all the things that Scrum Masters use and the the different frameworks they use to try to keep the team going and engaged and really support that dev team because, you know, being a developer, it's not an easy job and they need motivation. They need right information. So the Scrum Master works with the product owner to make sure that the information they're getting can, can help them with their roadblocks or just with the regular projects. It's not always roadblocks, but there's Joe, the keeper in line. Joe, we're going to finish up this question with you, and then we're going to go to our first break. What's unique in your environment? Yeah, I think we're a PMO squad as a consulting firm, so a lot of the things that Mary had mentioned also hold true for us. In addition to that, we help organizations build a PMO or a project management office. Think of that. Uh, like the accounts payable is within the accounting department. Well, project managers usually live within an organization within the PMO. So we help uh, organizations build or improve those. Uh, We also provide project management training and education through workshops. Uh, We're not a certification shop. We're not trying to push PMPs or other certifications onto anybody. Uh, But we do professional-based training to help organizations do better at their job. And we do have... uh, a project management board game that we work with organizations for team building workshops. We just held one here in Max 6 last week. Uh, and it's a really fun team building interactive way to build an organization's project management proficiencies through gamification. And it's an enjoyable way to learn and grow together in your expertise. So typical consulting services, plus in addition to that, a little bit extra, I'd say. Yeah, very good. Thank you each for those great introductions to your organizations. As Steve mentioned, we're going to take a quick little commercial break because we want to make sure we have an opportunity to thank our sponsors who continue to bring us AZ TechCast. And this year, we have Arizona Commerce Authority, who is the 2022 Innovation Sponsor, and we'll hear from them next. Our streamlined pro-business approach helps you achieve more by putting less between you and future success. Less red tape. Lower taxes. Less distance separating you from the tech leaders of tomorrow. This innovative ecosystem will supply your business with tools and resources to compete in the 21st century and beyond. But your future is more than just business success. In Arizona, the lifestyle you want is at your fingertips. Explore cities known for their Southwest heritage and modern vision. Enjoy beautiful scenery and endless outdoor activities on land, water, or snow. And if you're looking for a little friendly competition, we've got plenty of teams to choose from. With constant sunshine, vibrant culture, and natural wonder, Arizona provides a style of living that's entirely unique. People from all over the world call our state home. From student leaders who fill the classrooms of our top-ranked universities to a skilled and abundant workforce that's ready for what's next. To the neighbors, friends, and peers we interact with daily. 
Arizonans are united by a pioneering spirit that moves us forward. So as you look to the future, know that it's filled with the perfect balance of innovation and high quality living that makes life better here. I was thinking about Mary, when we were in the green room, Mary mentioned that she's going to have a 16-hour drive with her son back to ASU at the end of the holiday. I hope that commercial gets you all jazzed up about coming back to Arizona. <laughs> right? I am. I love Arizona. It's beautiful. JT, have you been here? Uh, I have, uh, driving through uh, on my way to Oklahoma, actually. But I'm looking forward to coming out to a, an upcoming graduation of one of our cohorts here in late January. Very good. Well, let us know. We'll have to get you uh, out and about to see what we're what we're all about here in Arizona and the connection with Arizona Technology Council. Uh, all right. So the next question we have for you is: How can project management help the technology industry deliver key strategic initiatives? I know Mary was kind of giving us a little highlight there as we we, we were answering that last question. Who wants to take that for us first? So Mary, jump in. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops, sorry, Mary. Uh, (laughs) Put me on the spot, Joe. Um, You're eager, right? So So I think, you know, uh, I feel like I'm like saying this over, but um, communication and planning are the two two ways, um, you know, getting everyone on the same page early on in the analysis phase and then having status reports for the executives. It's just keeping everybody informed all the way through, through every phase, through every step, and then uh, really good planning. Planning that can can be agile, it, it can change, but if there's a change, you know the parameters to make those changes within. So um, I really feel like we've, we've hit on multiple things throughout but I think those two remain key for me, communication and planning. Yeah, I love know, it. Go ahead, JT. Oh, I was just going to say, Mary, I love the way that you you bring up communication. It, it really does get back to just getting the basics right. That's that's what excellence really, really looks like for project management. I do think that we can help in the technology industry on strategic initiatives by, by becoming more involved and looking more holistically at how our projects connect to what the organization is trying to accomplish, right? And by showing up with clear communication, like you said, by showing up with great planning, uh, that's that's something that we can we can really uh, hold on to. Uh, I was recently going through a study that KPMG did, and it, there were some really interesting statistics that I I saw that they uncovered about project management. One of which was that seven out of ten organizations report that they experience at least one failed project per year. And in those cases, about 40% of the single root cause of those failures is a lack of clarity about goals. So what happens is we, we really have this communication issue, right? If we don't get it right, we're going to have a big issue and we're going to get things wrong. Now, the same study also found something very interesting, which is that when we apply those project management practices and we bring in some of those best practice approaches, we see a 28 times reduction in wasted spending on the project, which is a great indicator that we're being wise stewards of of the investment of the organization. We're achieving goals. So project management can really help when we use those best practices, when we get involved, can help a technology company not just achieve that strategic 
project, but be a factor for positive change throughout the whole organization by bringing in those great skill sets. I wanted to add, there is also, um, you know, PMs historically were not included in strategy. We were, we were just given the project after, you know, way back in the day, <laughs> we know when I started this 20 years ago, back in the day, we didn't even know how a project came about. I think now including your PMs early on from the beginning, from ideation all the way through, that really will help them drive that strategic initiative or initiatives. And I, you know, Stephen mentioned aerospace and defense. I worked at Bell Helicopter, Cessna Aircraft, Wellstar Health System, financial institutions. And, and what I found across all of those industries is organizations make huge investments in people for the profession that they're supporting, right? They're bringing in finance professionals, they're bringing in tech professionals, they're bringing in defense engineers, whatever that industry is. But they don't make the same investment in project delivery. Therefore, the stats that JT was talking about, right, 70% of those organizations with a failed project is because they don't have a team of project delivery experts to support the team of technology experts. So they rely on the technology investment that they've made within the people to deliver on the projects, but that's not what they're wired for, right? I can't go code anything because I'm just not wired that way, right? I'm, I'm wired to communicate and to plan and be strategic like Mary talked about. So you want to have me driving that team, right? You don't want me in that team. You want me driving that team. And when you do that, then you start getting success. So Companies prioritize strategy. It's, it's their roadmap to the future. And the people that they ask to lead that change, if they're not professionals that are built to do that, you're going to fail. Yep. And, and this is why project management for technology firms is so important because you want your tech people being tech people. You don't want to pull them out of their comfort zone. You start impacting employee satisfaction, customer satisfaction, retention, all of the things that come into play from a dissatisfied workforce become into play not because they're not good at what they do. They're not good at what you're asking them to do is beyond their skill set. So this is why project management is so critical. It ties into everything Mary and JT were saying. It's, it's all connected to the way companies operate. And I think good project management within a very good technology company, those two things coming together is where the secret sauce is and how companies can really benefit. You know, I'm feeling a little bit like I'm at one of our uh, family holiday uh, <laughs> dinners because my daughter graduated from U of A with an MIS degree and is a consultant at Clarkston Consulting, yeah. where she uses project management uh, every day. My wife is the head of operations for TGen, which does cancer research, and she manages all the PMs that uh, support the doctors uh, on their initiatives. So. Like I said, I feel like I'm at a holiday uh, dinner today. Um, are there any specific tips that any of you might have that focus on how technology companies specifically can sort of help revamp uh, their project, um, their projects, their initiatives uh, using project management? I'll start with that one. I think first is to prioritize the need to use a disciplined approach to deliver them, right? Uh, usually a software development lifecycle, right? An SDLC is in place for how they develop software or how they're creating a product roadmap, whatever their discipline is. 
I think the tip would be to pause and say, how do we deliver these as projects now and implement a consistent way to go about doing it? Every company will be different. It doesn't have to be one that, you know, your, your best friend's company is doing it one way. I need to do it that way. Well, no, do what works for your company. But commit to building a consistent process for how we're going to execute projects and be adaptive enough, lowercase agile, be agile enough to be able to adjust as necessary to make sure that you're delivering project success. That, that, that's where I would start, the commitment to the cause. Yeah, I call it champion, where the, where the C-suite, you know, from top to bottom, bottom up, where, where this, this revamp is champion championed by everyone. So if it's, if like a part of the company doesn't even know about it, they have no idea what to do. So we need the leaders to champion the the new process as well as give, you know, spend the money to give the PMs the tools they need, such as a PPM tool. I'm not shamelessly plugging a PPM tool, but a lot of PMs have, have to like struggle to, you know, just get their job done when other areas of the company have their tools and their their cool websites or internal sites that they can use. And PMs are like having to go old school um, PowerPoint and Excel. Let me jump in quick on that as well. We did, PMO Squad just did our annual survey. And I think it was 80% of the organization said they have less than $1,000 training budget for their project managers. Hmm. And and say you have that's the commitment part of it, right? If you're going to have a team of project managers, commit not just to having the role, but also keeping them current and educated and using the best practices to help your team. That's a great point. I, I totally agree with everything, Joe Bear, that you guys have said. One thing I would just add on to it, right, is uh, when you're when you're trying to revamp the way that you approach projects, you're doing it because you have a goal in mind, but we don't always make goals very clear. Sometimes we we can do things that we think are very objective and straightforward, but they're really subjective. Um, so what I like to do, and, and some of the this is an example that I use for, for what I mean by that is um, we want to really objectify the subjective words that we use. Um, I have two little kids, and if I say go clean your room, then I have given what I think is objective, but it's subjective to them, and that subjective part <laughs> is the word clean. I know what I mean when I say clean. They know what they think clean is. And yet when I go there later on, boy, are we on two totally different pages. So if I instead say, okay, I want your toys put away. I want the clothes hung up, um, all that kind of stuff. That's a way to put my understanding of the subjective word into the question I'm asking, or really in this case, into the goal. Now, how that shows up in project management is often with words like done, complete, finished, ready. And so when you're dealing with your, your project managers or really just anyone working on your project teams, it's important to objectify the subjective kind of questions. So instead of asking, hey, is that done? Is this module ready for QA? Do you have a minimum viable product that's ready for a demo? Are we set for this goal in two weeks? By asking those objective questions, we ensure that we've put our understanding of what needs to happen into the question itself. Um, and that helps align uh, the team. It helps eliminate uh, potential misunderstandings. Uh, and in reality, it'll lead to um, a lot more clarity in what's being asked. And therefore, you'll see better results out of that team. So we've talked a lot about strategic initiatives. We've talked about communication and people. 
How do each of you implement purpose-driven or people-first project management? And, and are they one and the same? Do they run alongside each other? Yeah, I'll start with this one. At, you know, at the PMO squad, we ha- our framework that we implement with our clients is called the purpose-driven PMO. And the mindset behind that in its most basic form is putting why before what and how. So why we do something is more important to the organization and the teams that we're using then how are we going to do it and what are we going to do? Most organizations start with the what and the how, right? Because that's what they're eager. They want to go execute, right? I want to jump in. I want to stop planning. I want to make this happen and get on to the next one. And we never build an emotional attachment to that, especially with our, you know, this next generation of millennials that's coming into the workforce. They want to work for companies that have a purpose. They want to be part of an organization that's going to have meaning to their work. And that's everywhere. If we think about implementing a CRM system, uh, we did a, a project where we were helping an organization do that. And we polled the executives and we asked them, we said, why are you doing the CRM implementation? And they said, because we want to increase growth and expand to a new region to be able to grow the company and meet shareholder expectations. We asked the project team the same question. And they said, the technology is old and we're giving it a new platform. Two completely different answers to the same question for the same project. If the employees knew that they were actually doing the CRM system for them so that they could benefit the company and help them grow, they're more invested. They want to be part of that team. They'll work the extra hours. They'll give you a better status report. So for us, we always start with why. The purpose-driven PMO is to give meaning to your work before telling you how to do the work. And Mary, you had started with that. I think it was Mary that had said that at the beginning of our conversation today, right? That we, oftentimes y'all are left out of that part of the conversation and just brought into, you know, boots on the ground. Obviously, it's critical to have that piece. Yeah. I also would add that um, from what Joe said is that also back in the day, we weren't, we kind of skipped analysis because you would get this big thing called a BRD and it was like really fleshed out by the time a PM got assigned to it. But now we're able, especially, you know, at, at my firm, we come in, we, you know, we're given a statement of work, but then we come in and we do our own analysis. It's just something that we we do to make sure that what we are, what we're driving towards, so the purpose-driven statement is is really what the client is saying, which is what Joe is saying is there's there's a there could be two different thoughts on depending on the people you're working with. So that's that's the purpose driven. But then the people part is where you you need to make sure the team that you have, the team you're working with is all working together. Like I mentioned it earlier, we're putting all the tentacles together. We've got to get everybody jazzed to work on this as well as making sure that they're meeting and exceeding, sometimes exceeding their, you know, their work. But one thing that I want to say with the people is we always should be mindful that they, most of the time when they get a project, they have other things to do. So we have to really be able to, to help them navigate their other jobs. So be considerate, have some empathy as well as driving the project. So it's a, it's, it's a really big balancing act when we're talking about the people first. So really having empathy for your project team, knowing where they are and, and when to push and when not to push. Anything to add to that, JT? 
Yeah, you know, I think uh, Joe and Mary did a fantastic job. Um, so I'll, I'll go at it from a slightly uh, different angle, just to add something to the conversation. Um, on that on that people first part, right? Um, when I was developing uh, processes at former employers or even where I'm at now, uh, I always use two questions. One is, is this in the best interest of the client? And two is, is this a requirement? And I look through that very simple litmus test to basically ask myself, are we doing something because we've done it? Or are we doing something because it's important? And the reason why I approach process that way, and specifically process within project management context, is because so often we get caught up in the idea of it's always been done this way, we always do it, but we don't get to that why, like Joe said. Um, so if I could add anything else to that, it would just be that quick litmus test. Look at what you're doing. And question, is this something that's in the best interest of the client? Is it client serving? Um, or is it a requirement that's been placed on you um, to operate? And if not, sometimes we have to look in the mirror and say, well, why am I doing this, right? Um, that's part of that streamlining effect. It can be very powerful in uh, building a project, man- uh, project management practice, um, as well as something that I think clients appreciate when you when you put their you know, their experience forward and, and make that the focal point of the conversation and, and how you do things. Yeah, I always love it when a client says, when we ask them, why do you do it that way? And they say, well, that's the way we've always done it. <laughs> it's, it's like somebody just handed you a platter, right, to be able to go serve them a solution, right? I love that, JT. Exactly. In the early days of Joe's show, the Project Management Office Hours, which uh, had a five-year, right, running, yeah. am I right? Five years? Yeah. Uh, I remember I used to produce the show, and now we have Daryl who's done it for us. And um, you used to always talk about the why, and why, and why, mm-hmm. and why. using why over and over and over and over again. A fantastic way to get at really the the meat of of the basis for everything. Yeah, we we call it the five why exercise, right? Ask the question. Usually, it takes five asks to get somebody to recognize what you're doing to them. And they'll actually get you an answer that gives you what you're looking for. But if they don't know that, right, if you can't get to the, we always talk about root cause, right, in diagnosing technology problems. In project management, if we start with a diagnosing the why before we start the work, it really gives it a, a much higher chance of success to be able to go forward. Well, Karen, I think it's probably time for another commercial break. We- and then when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about some real live case studies. Excellent. Thank you. Yes, we want to thank the 2022 Tech Advocate sponsor, JDH Insights, for their sponsorship for AZ TechCast. Thank you, JDH Insights, for being our 2022 Tech Advocate sponsor. A leader in coaching and executive development, JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset, their humans. Visit JDHinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. So now we'd like to bring a lot of this uh, discussion we've had home by asking each of you to share a a real-life case study, either a current or former client, um, where you've really been able to achieve uh, better outcomes as a result of using uh, structured project management. And uh, whoever would like to go first? Yeah, I can, I can go first. I love this question because it, it brings up a, a story that I, I love sharing. A prior organization I was with had a, a PMO set up that was kind of a PMO in name only. 
really what we had was kind of a group of individual project managers who practiced project management in the way that they saw uh, to be the most fitting, right? And what it created was this kind of imbalance amongst clients and really it, it harmed the client experience in, in the greater sense of how that organization uh, was delivering projects. And so what we saw was uh, various levels of dissatisfaction. There was a loss in uh, profitability. And so when I was uh, given the opportunity to become the new PMO manager, I spent a lot of time examining uh, the client portfolio, who we were working with, who we used to work with, and the reasons why for each of those things. Uh, I talked internally with a lot of key stakeholders, and I was able to put together through a lot of analysis and investigation a, a pretty clear picture of what was happening and what it was causing to happen. Essentially, we saw some pretty clear themes. It was uh, customer dissatisfaction with the way that certain things were handled, that loss of profitability, and really just some overall operational inefficiencies that were sort of ballooning delivery timelines. So I was able to work with that team to reform uh, the PMO and really adopted this, this kind of rallying cry of like, we're not going to do things my way. We're not going to do things your way. We're going to do things the best way. And that's going to be our way. And so every process, every template we created, every cadence we set was always put through the litmus test of, is this what's right for the client or is it a requirement? And we had incredible results. Uh, we saw an average profitability increase of between 20 and 25% across uh, our project portfolio. Uh, we saw a really sharp rise in client satisfaction over a two-year period where we delivered on uh, hundreds and hundreds of projects. We exceeded a 99.98% mark. And we reduced our overall operational cost because we had streamlined procedures. We had new tools. We were able to rebalance the workload. And just that natural competence that comes with everyone being able to execute things in a similar way over and over and over again. Uh, that organization was a technology company uh, dedicated to client services. And so it was more than just our, our one single client that got to experience an improvement. It was really all of those hundreds of clients uh, got better outcomes through the introduction of these practices, um, through some great auditing and coaching that happened. And really through the changes that we made by really adapting a true PMO structure and bringing in those project management best practices. Are there great case studies? Yeah, how do you follow that act? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can talk about, we had a really interesting one just last year where I worked with my team and I, we worked with the home warranty company and they were struggling to kind of, they had so many projects. They had 112 projects in the pipeline and they were trying to figure out what is their strategy for the next several years. And so we had to come in and figure out, hey, how are we going to get 112 into like a manageable handful? We didn't know the number we needed to get it to. We just knew 112 wasn't going to do it. So we we had some on-sites and we had workshops that were actually a little difficult and contentious, you know, because we had different business members in there and, you know, sales wanted theirs and you know, the business wanted wanted to do things their way and then get IT. So we had to really bring them together. And it kind of goes back to what Joe and JT were saying, kind of get them to the why. We used different um, analysis tools like Moscow and things like that to kind of get them from this 100 and 
112 to we ultimately got them to 12 strategic projects, which they were able to then plan their budget and move some of the remaining. And it got everyone focused kind of bringing it all back to like, what is their strategic initiative? So we were able to really say these 12 projects are going to get you your, I think in this case, it was what was going to get the return on investment and get new customers on board. So those were the projects that they focused on heavily on sales and some IT foundational things to assist sales. So that was a really, really interesting project. And then out of that, we ended up realizing their PMO needed some help. So we ultimately created a PMO process that we could hand to them and that they are still working with today. Very cool. For our story, I'll I'll, um, keep it in the AZ Tech Council for pre-COVID. They used to do lunch and learns where where, uh, different organizations would come in and, and teach. So I was doing a session on project management. And one of the local firms here, also a member of the tech council, was in the semiconductor design space and said, boy, you talked about really hit home. Can you come do some consulting work for us just to see what we're doing wrong? So, of course, we welcomed that and we went and talked to them. And what we found out is, again, not atypical for technology companies. Their electrical engineers were running their projects. And every moment they were spending building a status report or dealing with an upset customer was taking away their time of doing their engineering work. Because of that, employee morale was low, customer satisfaction was low, they weren't getting repeat business, they didn't feel as if they were as profitable as they needed to be, and they had been in business for 17 years or so, 15 plus years, so they had a good reputation in the industry. So after we went in and and did that work with them, we were able to implement a software solution so they could track their billable hours. They were doing fixed bids and weren't tracking how many hours were going into the actual work they were performing. And after we started tracking that, we recognized they should be doing variable bids as as opposed to fixed pricing. The engineers stopped doing project management work and they were back to engineering work. Their employee satisfaction increased. Customers noticed that, boy, you guys are doing a lot better at projects than you used to do, and your employees seem happier. So now they were retaining customers and winning repeat business. And after working with them for two years, the grand prize for all entrepreneurs, they were able to have an exit and sell the company. I think because of project management, I'm sure there was a lot more involved because of that 17 years of hard work and good industry building and branding and product design they did. But they were at that kind of plateau, right? They had kind of been stuck uh, as far as to what their own internal capabilities were. And just bringing in some external expertise allowed them to get to that point where the owners were able to get a successful exit from the business. So project management, oftentimes when done well, really is you're using project management, but it's not a project management outcome, right? It's a business outcome that you benefit from, from using project management discipline. I love how you put that, Joe, because I think that really is our, that is kind of where project management's going. We, we have to be cognizant of our impact on, on the business and being strategic and able to help focus the overall organizations onto what, what the most important, most impactful action is, right? One of the things that I, I love to use as an example for that is called the double Pareto principle. Uh, many folks are familiar with the Pareto principle. It's sometimes called the 80-20 rule, right? Or more affectionately used, 
uh, a case where 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Uh, the double Pareto principle is actually the 64-4 rule. And you can extrapolate that 4% of the causes are responsible for 64% of the effects. So our role as business leaders and as project managers who can help guide the business is all about helping chase that 4%, figure out what it is, and help produce those results. Well, unfortunately, this hour has really gone by extraordinarily fast, but uh, there is one last question. If you're an entry-level professional that's interested in uh, getting involved or pursuing a, a, a career in project management or even a, a mid-career professionals hoping to transition into project uh, management. Do each of you have some tips for them? Yeah, I, I would start with saying a couple of things would be it, for the Project Management Institute is a global organization that helps kind of create a home base for project managers around the world. And there's local chapters all across the United States, including here in Phoenix. I would reach out and get involved. You know, start learning the language and the culture and the business of project management. You know, there's some great podcasts out there, selfishly project management <laughs> office hours uh, and books, but just like take that first step, right? Jump off the ledge and say, I want to learn. And, and when you do that, there is a net worth of solutions out there that will catch you when you jump. Other thoughts? I, I had five thoughts. They're very quick, though, not long. Um, I said, be willing to observe and learn from other PMs. I think that a lot of folks that are especially new to the industry come in, they've had some training or schooling, and they think they know project management. But really, really learn from your fellow PMs. Watch, observe, look at the questions that they're asking and just build on that because you're going to become a much better PM by, by observing, being a listener and watching. Never stop training and learning. So even me, I still take training courses. Uh, I do still do certifications. It's actually encouraged at our firm. So stay on top of your methodologies and, and project management framework. And then your temperament, right? Know your temperament kind of know the type of team you're working with. Some you can be funny with, some they don't want you to be. Some you have to really know your what's going on and 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 be and not be ambiguous. And then be humble and build relationship. Excellent. JT, how about you? Very cool. Excellent. Yeah, Joe and Mary did a fantastic job. Um I'll I'll first say that it's uh it's it's pretty surreal to be asked that question because I feel like it wasn't long ago that I was the one asking it or from other people. I'll say this. I think if you want to become a successful project manager, um, you have to learn how to adapt to different situations, recognize opportunities, apply the right tools. Mm -hmm. But if that sounds daunting, we need to remember there's a ton of opportunities to build that knowledge. Joe shared uh, PMI, your local chapter is an excellent, uh, an excellent place to start. I also recommend be intentional about where in project management you want to land and connect with a professional organization within that industry. Great plug for the Arizona Technology Council, right? If you want to be a technology PM, then connecting with PMI is a great place to start. Also go for, for those kind of learning and growth opportunities um, that are specific to that industry. Beyond that, it's also important to remember that 
project manager is not the only title in project management. There's project assistants, coordinators, analysts. There's a lot of other roles that can get you kind of in there, right? I actually started as a project assistant, did very basic uh, support tasks, and I was able to, through hard work and pursuing educational and professional development opportunities, and really being a squeaky wheel saying I wanted to do more, uh, get a chance. And when I got that chance, I was able to, to make the most of it. If you're a, a mid-career professional trying to move into project management, definitely focus on your translatable skills. You, you probably have a ton more project experience than you give yourself credit for. Um, so definitely work to highlight that in your resumes. And again, be intentional about where you want to be a PM because it's a big, big world. And then you know, my last point that I just want to kind of close with is I really feel that we... You know, me, you, everyone who's who's here on this podcast, we have a, uh, a responsibility to the people who want to uh, intentionally become PMs. Uh, a lot of PM stories for folks that I talk to have this degree of like falling into it, right? And it, it, I love it. it. It really like ignites me when I hear people that want to be in this. It's a big table and there's a lot of empty chairs at that table. We who are already there need to do everything we can to help connect folks who want to be there to take their seat. You know, I, I am big into the idea of mentorship. At Perscolas, we have a great kind of uh, employee impact group centered on project management where we're able to connect folks who want you know, a little help, a little more training, some formal mentorship, whatever it is. I'm a big fan of being intentional about that, about connecting those who want to be in that space. And so to anyone who has ever thought, you know, that sounds interesting, I'd like it, or who already knows they want to be there. You know, you there's there's a seat at the table, a lot of empty seats. Please reach out to to me, reach out to someone else, but let us know how we can help you because everyone who wants to be there deserves a shot at being there. And if I can add Thank real you. quick, is I was out at indeed.com the other day and there the big table JT's talking about. There was ninety-one thousand open project manager positions in wow. the United States. <laughs> You know, there is a lot of room at this table for more people to get involved. So great points, JT and Mary. Thank you so much for joining me in this discussion as well. It was, it was great to learn from both of you. Steve, yeah, another you, great conversation, huh? Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, we, we certainly appreciate each of you being here today and sharing your time and expertise. You have been listening to AZ TechCast brought to you by Phoenix Business Radio with Business Radio X. Today's AZ TechCast was brought to you by the Arizona Commerce Authority, the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. So again, we thank Arizona Commerce Authority and also thanks to JDH Insights, who's the 2022 Tech Advocate Sponsor. Visit jdhinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. If you're interested in being a podcast participant or a sponsor for the Council's AZ TechCast, please contact marketing at aztechcouncil.org to learn more about opportunities to further position you as a tech expert, influencer, and innovator. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thank you for joining AZ TechCast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AZ TechCast with Arizona Technology Council, featuring leading tech and business experts that help influence and shape our great state and the industries they serve. 